Simple Pen Podcast. Pinterest for business advice that goes down smooth and easy. Here's your host, Kate All. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 146 of the Simple Pin Podcast. Today we're going to be talking specifically to those of you out there who are e-commerce sellers, your product creators. You come to me all the time with questions about content creation for Pinterest and do you need it? Why do you need it? How do you make it work? Well, because I'm not a product seller and I don't know a whole lot about it, I've brought in Mina and Jacqueline of The Product Boss. They run this amazing company that teaches people, product sellers, how to go about creating, building, marketing their products to where they can be really successful in their product business. And in fact, both of them are product sellers themselves. So we're going to hear from them today answering the question, do e-commerce sellers need a blog for Pinterest? And we're going to talk about so much more than that. So buckle up and get ready to take a lot of notes. They give us a ton of ideas for content creation and so much more. Before we get into that call, I want to highlight two things. One, if you are looking for one-on-one help in your Pinterest marketing, I offer one-hour Pinterest strategy calls. And during these calls, we walk through your current strategy, if you have one, review your Pinterest profile, look at your website, and help you make all the necessary changes to make sure your Pinterest marketing is effective. I will say I've been doing these for five years now, and everybody I meet with walks away with lots of notes, but that not in an overwhelming way. I want to make sure when you walk away, you have at least five solid action items in sequential order of what you need to work on. So if you want to sign up for that, just go to simplepinmedia.com. At the top, you'll see um, services, click on work with us, and then you will see to book a strategy call with me. The other thing is we are loving all the reviews you are leaving in iTunes. And I'm going to start reading these every week because I just love to hear about what it is um, the Pinterest, this podcast is making a difference in, how it's making a difference in your Pinterest marketing. So the Not So Basic Boutique says, I love this podcast. It has helped me start offering my Pinterest marketing services. Kate is so honest and sincere, especially with recommendations. I highly recommend this podcast if you're wanting to learn and understand Pinterest. Man, I love this Not So Basic Boutique. And I love that you're taking it to the next level and you're offering Pinterest marketing services as well. That is a great way to build a business and serve people there. It's obviously how I got started and it's what we do here. So that is fantastic. I'm so excited. And thank you for leaving a review. Those of you who want to leave a review, go on to iTunes, leave a review there and also let us know what it is you would like us to talk about. We've been doing the podcast for three years now. We've gone through a lot of Pinterest topics, but I know there's more out there that you want to hear about and you have more questions. Leave a review over there or um, I'm on Instagram all the time. You can direct message me over there. I'm at Simple Pin Media on Instagram. You can go ahead and comment over there. All right, now we'll dive into our episode with Mina and Jacqueline of The Product Boss answering the question, do e-commerce sellers, product sellers need a blog for Pinterest? Hey, Mina and Jacqueline, welcome to The Simple Pin Podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having us. 
Yeah, I'm so excited to introduce my audience to you because we have we met at BizChicks and I loved just what both of you do in your business and it was so inspiring. So that later down the line when my audience is asking more questions, especially those who are product sellers. You were the first people that came to mind to shed some light on all of this. So tell the audience a little bit about what you both do and then the business that you run together. Great. So we are the co-hosts of the Product Boss Podcast. So it's a podcast dedicated to all of you product people out there. Um, we wanted to create a community and content for you to basically grow your businesses and really have some takeaways. But I am Jacqueline and I am also a fashion designer and I own the company Designer Consulting Co-op. And over the past decade, I've helped launch over a thousand fashion brands, so apparel and accessories. And over the last couple of years now, I've been working with startups for any type of product business. And that moves us into the product boss where Mina and I have combined our superpowers. Yeah. And as Jacqueline mentioned, I'm Mina. I am the owner of Low Labels, which are waterproof labels for typically daycare and school. Uh, we are a bestseller on Amazon and we also sell on Walmart and Jet. So very much um, online, e big e-commerce. Whereas I think Jacqueline's love language is mostly wholesale and traditional. So we kind of kind of combine that to make sure that we're filling in all the gaps for the people that we serve through the Product Boss podcast end. Awesome. I I love this. Like the variety of experience that you, both of you bring to the table is incredible. Like I have so many questions even just about that, but we won't go down the road of your experience. We'll save that for maybe like another podcast because I'm intrigued by so many things that you've just said. One of the things I think that I would love to know because I am not one, is talk a little bit about the mindset of a product seller in relation to kind of their business, but also in relation to marketing, like social media marketing in general. Yeah. So I think Mina could probably talk about that a little bit more since she is an actual product-based business right now. But I know from the people that we work with through our masterminds or through our clients is that they're never sure how to market. So they feel like they have to be everywhere and they need content everywhere, but they're not really sure what to do or how to speak outside of their products. So Mina, do you want to dive into that one? Yeah, sure. I, I really kind of want to focus today on the word blogging and we'll get a little bit deeper on that, but really thinking about content marketing as a whole. Content marketing is so many things, right? It is email, it's podcasting, it's Instagram, it's Pinterest. It's basically providing content in a value-based way. And so really thinking about that when people come to us and they're like, I don't know how to market, they should really be thinking about content marketing because it's really building that no like, and trust that gets them to the sale. That's the whole purpose of content marketing is that you're going into that customer experience and kind of accelerating that for them, making them buy into your brand. And then the exchanges in the dollars at the end, but along the way, you're providing value to them. And that's the whole idea of content marketing through social media, through YouTube and search engines like Google, and through blogging and blog posts, um, which we'll talk a little bit more of. And it's really looks different for product people than what we think of blogging normally. Yeah, I appreciate that call out because we as a content creator and somebody who's worked in content creation um, all, for the 10 years, right? That's how I see it as a blog. And so what we the biggest question we get from e-commerce people is, 
do I really need a blog? But we'll kind of reframe that to be like content. Do I really need content for my business? Because I just don't have time. And it feels like something that's labor intensive. Maybe they've heard of other people and how they're bloggers. And so they automatically put on that. Um, they assign blog to that. Like I have to do it every day. I have to do it all the time. And therefore, they just don't want to do it at all. But I like that you talked about content creation as so many different things that it's really just introducing people to your product and introducing people to you. So let's start down that path. Um, I know you guys have some questions and some ways we want to go with this, which I love. So tell me what in that objection, where would you start with somebody who's struggling and wrestling with this piece of do I need the content creation side? So we want you to first rethink, we want all, all of you really to rethink the word blog or blogging, right? So we're so used to the typical sort of you go to a website and there's in the menu, there's blog and you go and you follow along on this blog and you follow the journey of their life. But for products, we want you to just sort of rethink that. And you guys might start to pay attention to this. And if you want um, Mina's, Mina's product, Little Labels has a perfect, perfect example. So what you can do is you could treat a blog as something like the menu could say free downloads, tutorials, community, product spotlight, how to wear. So a blog is a form of content marketing that gains the SEO and provides the value at the same time versus all the others. So just rethink that. And we're not saying do all of these, but if you go to Little Labels, she has free downloads. You go to the free downloads, there's these beautiful templates for you know easy let's see, I'm just on her site right now, like weekly meal plan, my chore chart, right? You click on those, you think you're going to get the download. But then when you go to weekly meal plan, she actually has a blog post with a link to download, but she's basically reinforcing her product through a, a teaching method. Mm, so kind of going a little bit of a sidestep, but still keeping within like the the mindset of the person who's going to purchase your products. I think that you get so much resistance because people think that blogging is dead. And it is to a point because blogging is just different than what it used to be. People are no longer following blogs. They're not following along and reading along um, posts and blogs while they're sipping their coffee. It's just like that newspaper mentality, right? People used to read the newspaper in the morning, but now instead they're getting their news via Facebook and apps. So those lifestyle blogs that we used to follow are now being replaced by microblogging on Instagram and Insta stories. So that's where they're going instead for this need that they have for like this lifestyle blog. And instead, consumers are really binging their content everywhere. So they're binging. We see this with Netflix. We see this with our podcasts and with Instagram and everywhere. So they're binging instead of showing up week after week. So the old version of blogging is really gone. It's really thinking about it as content posts in the form of blogs. So I have a question about that, because this is also one thing I've heard kind of um, bubbling up. And I've heard the blogging is dead two piece. So would you suggest that um, people build this on Instagram? Or are you always going to tell them, have your own site? That's the place that you want to send them. Because some people will say to me, like, I don't want to do a blog. I'm just going to do everything on Instagram. What's your thoughts on that? I love this question because I really wanted to go here. So uh, let's look at that. So blogging, what, like Jacqueline has said, really gains SEO and provides value, right? So let's look at it compared to blogging versus Instagram and podcasting. So thinking about that, iTunes and Instagram, they're not search engines. 
So the three top search engines are Google, YouTube, and Pinterest. So when you're putting it on your website, you're able to get that SEO, the gaining the SEO that we were talking about. And you're able to have that long-term bang from blogging that you aren't able to get from Instagram. People aren't going on there to use those as search engines. Even with like email, right? Blogging versus email. If you're emailing out, yes, you're connecting to the customer. It's a form of content marketing. But those emails are not evergreen. They're gone the minute they read them. Blogs are an evergreen way of SEO and providing value. And then looking at blogging and YouTube, and I want Jacqueline to get more into this because she's of, you know, does loves video and it's so great. Um, so Jacqueline, do you want to get into like blogging versus YouTube? Yeah. So again, YouTube is the number two search engine, right? So when we're searching, you'll get the, the results and you'll get the videos. Um, and people will try it. Some people like to read, some people like to watch, but the videos are really important, especially at this day and age. But if you have a successful YouTube channel, they are not just putting up a video and walking away. They're putting in keywords. They are in the description of the video, have major keywords for searchability. And typically what they do is they are also creating a blog and an email to support that YouTube video coming out there. So you're still writing content. You're still getting words out there to have Google crawl it, to pull it all together and to pull it up to the top. So it all sort of goes together. And so Google blogging basically puts the words out there that lead the people back to you. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Like I, I'll, as an Instagram user, like I love it. Right. But I never leave the platform and I definitely don't go there to search for anything. I just go there to kind of get lost in the pretty pictures and the stories of people. And there's, there is times that I will buy something or click on it. And what's really funny is when I do, I am like heavily targeted with ads. Like, you know, I will look for a backpack and then all of a sudden all of my ads will be backpacks going forward. But I, I like that it's the focus back on uh, sending them to a place where you can um, get SEO and you can get that value. So one of the things that we people also ask us is, do you have a preferred platform that you would suggest that people use for their products that has a blog side. Now, I don't know a lot about that. So this could be a completely ignorant question, but Shopify, big commerce, like what would people even choose to help make it easy to have a blog portion? Um, we always recommend Shopify. It's so robust that as you grow, you could have a multi-million dollar company on Shopify. And it's super simple because when you're posting up blog posts, which remember, we're calling them different things. Instead, it's more like, let's say you have a blog that's named tutorials. Mine is called free downloads. You can have multiple blogs. And so those people are literally going onto your website and they're typically not going to click on blog, but they will click on tutorials, right? And so Shopify houses all those in separate categories is what I call them, but really there were separate blogs. And um, at the bottom, you're, they have all those social shares for you. So you really want those people to share your content as well. So there's like share on Facebook, share on, share on Twitter, pin this post. So you're really, it's really easy, but at the same time, it's really capable of growing with you. I love that. That's super helpful because a lot of people, the tech I'm sure, as you know, the tech probably stops people more than anything else because they feel like they just can't figure it out. 
yeah, if anything, it's a little bit ugly. Um, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just so plain. But remember, you're just, the idea is to give value. People don't care what it looks like if it's giving them value. And then also um, making sure it's SEO friendly. And so you're, you're getting that long-term value from that post as well. And Shopify is Shopify really makes that easy. So I want to um, take the pressure off of the listeners though and let them know that we're not asking you to do a blog weekly. This isn't something that we're saying you need to keep up on and this has to be added to your day-to-day and that sort of thing. We actually suggest, I mean, ultimately right now, if you guys could just batch four ideas down that you feel are important to support your product. So that could be how-to, you know, um, it could be a product spotlight. It could be a case study. It could be a, a message from the the owner. And all of this has to be searched. So a tool that we use is Keywords Everywhere. It's a plugin that you can add to your, uh, your, like your Google Chrome, basically. And you can start to see. So if you type in uh, how to use little labels, you'll see how many people search for that. But then it'll offer you suggestions on the right side to tell you these are some other things people are searching for. So Mina and I were discussing that, for example, little labels could be how to organize a playroom for kids with sensory issues. So you take a pass, like how to organize a playroom to how to organize a playroom for kids with sensory issues. And then she's still telling you the same thing because Mina has baby bottle labels, like writable baby bottle labels, but you can use them in other ways. So here she's tagging onto keywords that are successful, something you could pin. And then it is something that people might click on. And so they're either going to find their way to you from the internet, from Pinterest, or if they're clicking on, you know, how to organize your playroom and then you break it out into different things because it's springtime, that might be something people click on. So we just want you to think about that. It. I want to take the pressure off of all of you thinking it has to be weekly. Right now, just we were thinking even like four, you could batch it and put them up and try and do it every 30 days. Just try and put something up. Okay. Such a good call to action because it's not overwhelming. Yeah. And that's because remember what we said earlier is that people are binging. So likely they'll just come onto your website, click on free downloads and binge that tab, whatever you have it called. Maybe it's tutorials, maybe it's, you know, product spotlight. And then um, because Google likes new content, the crawl of it will benefit you if you do it, let's say every 30 days, but people aren't coming back week after week. So there's no sense in you doing a week by week post for is plenty and, you know, and batching them is fine. Okay. So one thing I'd like to do to, to draw out kind of a practical example, let's say um, it, it could even be one of you. Let's say you're in the early beginning stages. You've spent a ton of time, maybe mean it's with your, your labels. So you've gotten them kind of up and running. Um, when did you start to feel like you could incorporate content creation and then Pinterest marketing specifically? What was the, um, so I guess that's twofold. What was the progression of events for you and how did you build it into your Pinterest or how did you build it into your marketing overall? And then number two, what's your workflow look like now? And Jacqueline, yours too, as how you incorporate Pinterest marketing into what you're doing without making it feel all consuming? Um, I hired it out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that answer. Right yeah. away? Or did you right work away. on it? Really? Okay. So tell me a little bit about that. So I hired somebody. She was pretty affordable. I mean, but I had the strategy going in. So I 
provide, she said that she could provide the graphics for me. And I actually having graphic design background provided them for her. So I have a strategy ahead of time and I immediately, immediately hired her knowing that I just wanted to bring eyes onto my product. So I don't think it's ever too early for, for, um, you know, for content marketing, because remember, you're trying to build know, like, and trust. So in, in order to them, for them to like you and know you to get them to the sale, they need to know a little bit about you. So they need to, maybe you, first of all, you give them value. Second of all, you maybe resonate with your stories together. Like they resonate with something. So content really is able to connect with them in a different way. So then it gets them to the sale. And that is one of the things I know you and I and Jacqueline have all talked about this offline a little bit is people don't understand that Pinterest has a has very low intent to buy. So mm-hmm. sh- can we get into that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. So when you're thinking about customer behavior, there's a level of intent to buy with every single platform. So we like to describe it as a line. Think of it as a timeline, but with a wallet at the end. The wallet is when the customer intends to buy. So think of the line. Furthest away from that wallet is Pinterest and Instagram. And that's because people are just exploring. They're discovering, they're dreaming, they're planning, they're envisioning their ideal self. They're planning their, you know, they're basically searching for long bob and hairstyles and beauty and, you know, home improvement and recipes because they have this idea in their head of this ideal vision board that they're filling up. So really, they're just discovering their options. They usually don't know what they want until they see it. So that moves us closer to the intent to buy, which is Google and YouTube. So when you get to that middle ground, these platforms are in the middle because they're closer to the wallet in that people know what they want. And now at this point, they're searching on how to do it. So it's easier to get them to buy than it is for Pinterest and Instagram, who still are just just discovering. And then closest to the wallet, which is very easy to get them to buy, is Amazon, Etsy, and your website, because they're going in with the intention to buy. They're shopping. So when you think about all this stuff, it's hard for people to understand, and product sellers especially, that they want those people from Pinterest and Instagram to be out of discovery and close to the wallet but they really aren't. Their intent is not to buy yet. It's really to see their options and to plan and to dream. And they might buy, but chances are they still need some time before they do. Uh, yes. I um, I had a in episode 144, actually, or I think it's like 143. I'll have to look at it. I'll put it in the show notes. But we had met with Pinterest and they had given us such an amazing graphic of this that I can also put in the post. But it was exactly that thing that somebody who's going on a hiking trip three months before, they're looking at all the hiking products or the hiking tips or where they want to go. And then two to three weeks before, they're actually Google or Amazon or your website to purchase the product. And then Instagram, they're telling you what they did with the product. They're showing off for everybody. Like, look at my hiking trip. And I think when we see that, we automatically gravitate towards the, I want the Google Amazon. I want there. But that critical piece of Pinterest marketing, informing them and helping them, you know, really shape how they can serve them. The awareness piece, right? Is so important, like you said, because everybody has to start somewhere with gathering ideas of what they want. Yeah, that's why you see basically planning is where it's at on Pinterest. Like they're just going on there. 
They're planning their baby shower. They're planning to buy a house. They're planning to redecorate their house. They're planning to get skinny. They're planning to eat healthier. They're, you know, so many plans, right? And at that time, they're just still just seeing what's out there and, and kind of envisioning what this beautiful life that they could have. You know, it's a little bit easier on Instagram because visually they can see what other people are doing, whereas there's really no connection, no, you know, personal brand loyalty on Pinterest like there is on Instagram. They don't see somebody else living that life, you know, on Pinterest, they're figuring it out for themselves. Got it. So with you, I've heard like you kind of went straight, you knew the importance, but you went straight to hiring it out because you didn't want so much on your plate. You wanted to really still be able to focus back on your business. Jacqueline, for you, is that kind of the same story and progression as well as far as incorporating Pinterest marketing? No, I'm definitely like that. I'm going to teach myself, stay up all night, kind of learn something and then be so tired that (laughs) I might not do it again. So so I definitely, um, you know, I've been on Pinterest for a really long time and even before I ever needed it for business or thought about it for business, you know, and then it transferred over to that. And I do use it for blog posts and for putting up, putting up images. But if it, what I looked at, so I had to look at my business and Pinterest is not where people were searching for what I do right now, at least the way that I've developed, because I have a high SEO in general. Um, but but for consulting, let's say consulting our clients, our startups, and, and that sort of thing, we don't want them to launch to a cold audience. And they need to. There needs to be this runway before that they start to gather eyes on their product. And I think that's a little bit of what we're talking about in here, where if you start to create a blog that links to the Pinterest post and and you talk about this all the time, but you know, different um, visuals to attract different people, and you're testing which what pulls people in, and then starting to just get them into the idea of your product, and that they're starting to learn about, it and they're starting to see how you are creating a solution to the problem that they have, or that you're creating an experience for the kind of life that they want to live. Um, and so, oftentimes, it just depends on the person. I we have sent a lot of clients your way because. It's, you're welcome. And they are so excited and happy about what's happening. And it's because they don't have they don't have the time to keep up on it or to do the things that are robust. And there's other clients that we've told, you know, Pinterest isn't the place to focus on right now because they've seen traction somewhere else. But this blog idea, and, and there is this uptick right now, like you said, it's bubbling up about blogs. Um, I think that this way of thinking about it is going to be, I'm believe essential to all product businesses to have some element of this because they do need to bring SEO. They need to differentiate themselves from the other lingerie lines that are out there or the major candle companies that are being sold at Nordstrom's. Like how do you pull yourself apart from that and bring traffic to your site or to your Etsy or wherever you're selling? So there's something that you said in there that I can picture somebody in my audience asking this follow-up question. So who would you say a product seller, what product or content for the product, what wouldn't work on Pinterest? Like what what would you kind of, if they came to you and said, hey, I'm gonna lean into Pinterest marketing, you would be like, ah, let's maybe wait. Can you give some examples? Yeah, that's a good question. Cause we were actually, we, yesterday we were challenging ourselves in preparation for this for products that we knew would be excellent on Pinterest. And then ones that we were like, what would you talk about? So the candle company, for example, we were like, well, how, candles, how do you, what are you gonna blog about? a candle, right? Um, so Mina, do you have an answer for what's not a good idea versus how to be creative um, about it? Honestly, I do think that it is for everybody, but people have to go in with the intention that they're not getting them to 
buy now, don't miss the sale. It's to get, it's like Pinterest is your, it's the assist in getting more eyes. And that's the way you have to think about it. Ultimately, I mean, the thing I think that Mina and I, we really enjoy doing are just being really creative, like creative ways of selling, creative ways of content marketing. And so I feel like we could come up with ideas for um, almost anybody. So if we go back to the candle, right? What is, first you always have to think about like what your unique selling point is. What What is interesting? And we were talking about candles. We're like, well, candles are candles. Well, what do we usually buy a candle for? People will typically look at the packaging, right? That Does it fit with your house? Do you have a farmhouse? Do you have a luxe house? Like what, where does it fit? And then the smell because they're, they're decor, you know, and, they're, and that sort of thing. So we were like, well, what would you blog about? for a candle. And so we were thinking it could be something like humorous gifts under $35, how to set up an altar with soy wax candles, um, or you can find problems like solutions. So the difference between soy wax versus the other types of waxes that they use, or did you know these types of candles are toxic? Ours aren't. So you can also find things that people are searching of um, danger, danger, right? And that you're offering a safer solution, a better solution, a more beautiful solution. And so comparisons as well. So I think there's always something to talk about. And it is really important because it is so flooded out there. How are you going to, how does your website pop to the top? You know, how? So you really need to start getting people following you. Yeah, we did that. That's a, I, by the way, I love your mind because you're thinking of content ideas and I, I love that. Like, I think there's so much um, excitement in creating content and like what to write for a specific product. And that was actually, we, I did a podcast episode with one of our clients, Julep Tile, and they sell custom handmade tile. And one of the things that she has a hurdle is that there's big brands, right? Like you can go to Home Depot and you can go to Lowe's and buy tile. Like what sets hers apart? And I think the the blog, the content side allowed her to tell that story and allowed her to connect with the audience even more. And I, as you're kind of diving into the candle piece, my brain gets going with tons of things that a candle company could be set apart from. Obviously, you have the hurdle of you can't smell it, but there's definitely a way to describe the smell that would help people connect with it. So I love that. Yeah. I mean, we were saying, you know, lavender candle for old people's lavender candles for kids. You know, you could switch your end user and basically keep talking about the same thing, but a different end user, you know, Mother's Day gifts, um, five things you didn't know about lavender scent, you know, things like that. So you can definitely get really creative with the words you're using. Um, Mina, should we talk about sort of the intent behind like the, the blogs, like maybe certain things that we could talk that they could talk about? Yeah, let's talk a little bit. You mean the goals, right? Like why? Okay. Yeah. So thinking about that, why would people get on Pinterest? How does Pinterest and blogging work together? And the short answer of that is, like I said before, more eyes. So when you're thinking about that, um, there's two forms of selling. There's the traditional hard sell, which is the buy now, don't miss the sale, which is and and you know what you see in Facebook ads. And then there's the value-based one that I talked about that was no like, and trust. So those are your goals. One is either with Pinterest, because you remember Pinterest is your assist. It's getting more eyes on the product and it's just kind of throwing the product to you. You're retargeting those people that came to your website with the ads. That's when the traditional hard sell would work. Buy now, don't miss the sale. That's only if they're not in the discovery stage and they're intent is to go buy something immediately. But otherwise, you have to build that no like and trust, that value-based one. And this is where you're getting their email. 
And email really is a tool combined with Pinterest. Pinterest is like, I gave this reference to Jacqueline. I wasn't even sure she understood it because I don't know if she follows basketball, but or used to. But Scottie Pippen, remember, Michael Jordan was the point guard. He was the key player. But he always gave credit to Scottie Pippen for assisting him because he said that he wouldn't be where he was without Scottie, right? Because he's passing him the ball, passing him the ball. So, and then it was Michael Jordan's job to make the shot. Well, this is the way it is for Pinterest. Pinterest is your assist. It's passing, passing you the ball. It's getting more eyeballs on you. So Pinterest is Scotty Pippen. You as the product owner are Michael Jordan. And it's your job to sell to those people, to warm them up, to get them to the sale. And there's two ways to do that. Ads or value-based, you know, if that makes sense. And then the value-based is with emails. Mm. I will forever be thinking of Pinterest as Scotty Pippen. Because <laughs> you know, he's so wild it. and visual, right? <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. Totally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now altered it forever. But yeah, no, it's a great way to pull that example out. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I messaged that too. It was my aha moment last night when we were chatting about this. And I message it to Jacqueline. I was like, do you understand this reference? Ha ha. But it was like at midnight. So she didn't answer me. <laughs> right. And then she's like, no, it's, it's <laughs> not going to work. No, I love it. That's good. Well, it, and what I'm hearing in all of this is that um, one content creation doesn't have to be that difficult. Number one. Number two is that it is a place to really warm up and begin to get eyeballs on your product, to get people on your email list, to get the SEO value. And then um, it's also another way to just connect with your customers and help them get to know a little bit about how what it is your product does can serve them, can help solve that problem. And then as we put in Pinterest, Pinterest is really the beginning of that process, the beginning of the awareness journey. Yeah, it's the no part. And then you it's up to you to do the like and trust. And really content marketing, think of it as your goal with content marketing is to get their email and it is to retarget them, but really it's to get them to do to make the sale. So in those con in the content, you should really be trying to overcome their ob objections. So trying to reassure them of the purchase and overcome their objections. So I do have Jacqueline and I came up with some objections that most people have. Oh, let's hear them. Mm -hmm. So it's, I don't know how to use it. I don't know if this will work for me. Is this the best place to buy? Is it more expensive here? And I don't want to buy right now. So those are initially what people are thinking when they're still thinking about what sh should I buy this? And so that in your blog post, you could definitely be putting in testimonials. It could be customer stories of who it's worked for. It could be case studies. It could be a message from the founder going back to that, you know, benefits of lavender candle company, let's say. It could be message, a uh, quote from the founder, you, that's saying, this is how I use my lavender candle, blah, blah, blah. You know, it could just be a snippet in there. It could be offering a guarantee saying, um, here's the products we recommend. Here's the soy candles we recommend. We actually have a 30-day guarantee or we have easy returns. Or, hey, did you know we offer free shipping with $15 worth of purchase? Um, also, you'll see this with how-to videos with frequently asked questions. So thinking about all those ways to do it, but ultimately you're just overcoming their objections and being like, yeah, I'm reassuring you that you should definitely buy this right now. 
I, you know, I will say for me as a purchaser, the discount of a first time customer always gets me to sign up for the email list. Always. Even if I'm not going to buy, but I know there's an opportunity to save a certain percentage or dollar amount on my first purchase, I will sign up. And then the other one is I want to see how much I have to spend for free shipping because I'm so used to Amazon and I buy things all the time off Amazon and, you know, when Prime, you just ship things daily, right? So I will say that kind of those two things would be just a personal objection that if I go to a website and though I see those things right away, I'm more likely to stick around for a little bit longer and learn more about the product. Can I give a tip on that for your website? Yeah. Okay. So if you do have a product business and you have your checkout section or not your checkout, you're they're on the product and they get to add, you know, one to cart, two to cart, and there's the button to add to cart. Below that, if you can put any sort of icons or information like free shipping on orders over $75 or um, free shipping anywhere worldwide or, you know, whatever it is, if you put it by their button, then you're saying that that's an objection. So you're kind of reminding them of it. So then if they're about to put a $49 item into their cart, they'll be like, oh yeah, free shipping at $75. Let me go look around and get something else. So just kind of try and put these reminders in places that not only across the top of the bar, but also in the, the buy now button. There. Yes, I totally agree because I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look super hard. If I'm not fully convinced to buy the product just yet, I am not going to dig to figure it out. I just need them to be right in front of me. So I would agree with you as far as putting it next to the button too. There's, I, and I'm not super familiar with this, so I don't know how this would work for most people, but is it common to put share buttons right next to the product? Because I would think that would be a good thing for somebody who wants to come back later. Like they've come on your website, they want to remember it, so they pin it. Is that something you see people doing or not doing? Um, with Shopify, you, when you link up your Pinterest and um, it, in the back end of it, it automatically has a pin it icon to every single image on your website. Oh, so people can automatically do it. You could definitely add a reminder. Hey, don't forget to pin this. Hey, don't forget to share this. So then people, because they will probably graze over it unless you do the ask of make sure that you pin this and share with people that you know would love it. Mm-hmm. I would agree because sometimes we just need to tell people what to do, especially when it comes to Pinterest. I tell a lot of people like the audience engagement and the audience sharing of your products or your content is so powerful over there because Pinterest always wants this fresh content. And if an audience, if someone in your audience is sharing for you, that just legitimizes your content even more that it's good and it's a value. Yeah, it's kind of the version of like backlinks, right? So if yeah. you get onto other people's blogs and create all these backlinks, it lifts you up as long as they're relevant relevant to you. Right. Oh, man, I feel like we've gone through a lot. Is there anything else we all have <laughs> on your list? Um, let's see here. Okay, so we talked about that. Should we talk about uh, different types of blogs that they could do? Um, I want to talk about where to use it in emails a little bit. Um, how I use it. So that might be beneficial to them. So like Jacqueline had said, um, I have this thing called free downloads. That's what my blog is called. It's called free downloads. I love to use those posts, the content posts of, or blog posts as you know, we all kind of want to not talk about 
that way. Um, we, I put it in my email. So in pre-purchase, I'll have the, you know, Hey, did you know you can save 15%? And also here's this download. That's really common, but where I prefer to use them is post-purchase. So post-purchase, when people have already bought from me, I say, Hey, um, while you're waiting for this to get to you in the mail, here's four tips on how to use it. And then I'll address that. And I'll say, hey, did you know we have this freebie? Make sure you download it to um, know how to, what to pack for daycare. And so they get that. And then a week later, I send them an email that says, just checking in, here's another free download for you. Also, when you get a moment, could you, um, would you mind taking a 30 seconds out to give us a review? So I'm giving them something again and then asking for the review. And that is making them feel good, but making them feel good about helping you too. So it's giving them even more value. And I especially love using those post-purchase in emails. We just read the book, Never Lose a Customer Again. I think it's Joey Coleman is the name. And he actually talks about this specifically, that just after people purchase, there could be an opportunity for buyer's remorse. And he says that it's really good to touch base with them. So I love what you're doing because it reinforces their purchase, that you're still going to deliver value, even though they don't have the product in hand. Right. And I get a lot of responses from those emails too. People will be like, oh, thank you. That's perfect. Or they'll talk to me about how they had to drop off their son to daycare. It, it, it garners a lot of response because they're like, oh, this is so nice that she sent this to me. And then it starts a conversation with them. Do you think product sellers have a difficult time wrapping their brain around this because they're so um, all consumed in their product and product creation? that it's hard for them to make the leap into this, into content, into email and any of that? I think it's because they want it to be super easy where it's like, buy now, here's your discount. And then that's it. But really that's the easy, the hard sell, the traditional hard sell where you're able to do that and people will just instantly buy. It seems so easy, right? There, It does work. There's the other one that builds loyalty, the no like and trust. And that's harder longer and takes more effort. Um, but it's definitely worth it because those people are your loyal customers. They're your lifelong or lifetime of your business customers that always come back to you and they become your salespeople. So really that's ultimately what pays off in the future. But I also think, well, one, I think it's just the type of person sometimes that has a product business versus people who have service businesses, but also it is, it's that content. They don't know what to, to write about. So they, they see blogs on the traditional blogs that we're used to and have no idea how you blog about XYZ, whatever product you're selling. You know, how do you relate that? What are people going to actually read? And so that's why I think the value of like solving a problem, like knowing who your ideal customer is, what they're searching, you know, what they're, what they're searching for, what problem you're solving or the experience and how you can write about that. You know, you're comparing it to other products, you're doing transformations, you're myth busting, just like ultimate guides. Because people usually go to gift guides. I feel like that's the easiest thing for them to go to, but not the benefits of or the why. Um, if you were in a store, right? If you were, think about yourself as a salesperson and there's other products around, it's not just your product. And you're telling them, I do this at Sephora, right? Um, why should I buy this cream over the other? Well, this cream has all of these benefits. And here's a picture of a before and after. And um, it has these ingredients and the ingredients in that one are really bad for you. So think about that. Think about being a salesperson and what someone would tell you to help make that sale in person. And then at Sephora, they give you a bunch of samples that makes you want to buy this product. And it's so expensive. That's happened to me before. I've like fallen in love with the sample and I have to go back and get it. 
And of course, it's like twice the price of the other one I'm using, which is smart on their part. Like I could see that being something interesting, like that you could incorporate when you ship something out is a sample of another product. If it's small, right? Obviously you can't like sample a candle. A hundred percent. Yeah. Or yeah. Or like a discount for your next purchase and try this. This is our bestseller. Um, And also if you think about blogs, so that's a really good example, Kate, that you could do a video, for example, if you're comfortable with that, or even if it's just a video of your hand and you're rubbing the cream on and you're talking about it. I also tell clients to think about QVC and HSN and why those are so successful. Watch them for a minute. Watch them touch the clothing, look at the clothing, you know, talk about the texture of the clothing. So you can do that, whether it's in the written word, whether you're doing video with text to support it. But all of that, um, if you can't send a physical sample to them, how else can they experience the product through your words or through video? This is amazing. And I know people are going to want more. So two things, tell people how they can connect with you. And you have a special download for our people. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we are at the product boss. So at the product boss everywhere. Um, and follow our if you can subscri- subscribe to our podcast. And then the download. Mina, do you want to tell them about that? Sure. The download is at www.theproductboss.com slash Pinterest. And we are going to give you guys this visual on the wallet that basically what we are talking about, the intent to buy, the customer journey to get to the intent to buy. So you'll get to see that visual and you'll understand that there's certain platforms that just lend to sales a little bit quicker and then what you need to do to overcome those objections in those times. Perfect. Well, thanks so much, both of you, for sharing all of your expertise. I love that you have so many years of product selling and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work so that anybody in our audience who is just beginning the journey of product selling or they feel like they're floundering, definitely go check out their podcast, check out their website and download that freebie for sure. And we'll have all the links in the show notes at simplepinmedia.com slash 146. And you can find the download there, the link to it, and then links to anything we talked about. And then some pictures if we need to incorporate some visuals into this for you as well. So thank you so much again, ladies. I really appreciate you taking the time to help our audience understand why blogging content creation is really important to their product sales. Thank you. Thanks, Kate. We loved being on here. 